Hello and welcome to Radical Embodiment, the podcast where we challenge societal norms and redefine what it means to be fully present in our bodies. I'm your host, Emily Wishall. I am an embodiment coach, certified rolfer, and author of the book, Radical Embodiment, a practical guide to celebrating the skin you're in. In a world that equates a woman's worth with her weight and physical appearance, we are making the radical choice to no longer accept the societal conditioning. I invite you on a journey of self-discovery and empowerment as we explore the concept of radical embodiment. Radical embodiment goes beyond external standards and invites us to embrace our bodies as vehicles for grounding ourselves in the present moment. Living a radically embodied life means making a consistent, courageous, and intentional choice each and every day to truly be in our bodies. It's about reclaiming our power, breaking free from harmful narratives, and cultivating a deep connection with ourselves. I want to acknowledge my limitations as a cisgendered white woman. I recognize that my awareness is shaped by my privilege, and I have not personally faced the same challenges as women of color, disabled women, or LGBTQ plus women who encounter racism, ableism, homophobia, or transphobia regarding their bodies. I am continually learning and doing my best to become more aware of my blind spots and understand that there are entire realms of societal attitudes that need to be addressed. With that in mind, I hope this podcast exploration of body image challenges, which are prevalent in much of the female experience, can provide value to listeners from all backgrounds. My aim is to foster understanding, compassion, and inclusivity as we navigate the complexities of body image and self-acceptance. Together, we will challenge norms, rewrite narratives, and embrace a radically embodied way of being. Get ready to embark on this transformative journey as we empower ourselves and each other. Thank you for joining me on the Radical Embodiment Podcast. Let's dive in and embrace the power of our bodies one episode at a time. Hello, and welcome to season four of Radical Embodiment, the podcast. Today's episode is Building Emotional Resilience, Cultivating Fascia Health for Overall Well-Being. And before I dive into letting you know what I'm going to share in today's episode, I want to give you a little framework and prep you for what season four is going to look like. So like every season so far of the podcast, there will be 12 episodes. So you can expect a new episode every Thursday over the next 12 weeks. The last episode of season four will drop on Thursday, August 24th. So every Thursday until August 24th, there will be a new episode. And specifically this season, I'm really focusing and sharing deeper on the fascia and tying that into how that relates to our emotional health, how that relates to our self-perception, how that relates to our healing. Um, The fascia really is the foundation of my work. My work began as a certified rolfer um, doing a form of manual therapy, also called structural integration. 
And it is the lens through which I operate, even when I'm working with my embodiment coaching clients. And so today's episode, I'll dive in and share a brief little bit about what the fascia actually is. And um, then I'm going to share the connection between your emotional health and fascia um, and how in understanding that connection. I'm also going to share just a brief little like how you know, we tend to hold on to emotions and how that leads to more tension, rigidity in your body. Um, a few studies that are showing some of this connections um, to give a little bit more validity into this topic, as well as at the second half of the episode, I'm actually going to give you some practical techniques and exercises that I will take you through um, that will support you in being able to have a little more connection with yourself, with your body, and support your fascia health, which will help your emotional well-being. So that all being said, you know, tying this into the main theme and operating factor of radical embodiment of really shifting this narrative that a woman's worth is tied into her physical appearance, I believe so strongly in the healthier fascia that we each have the healthier self-perception. I highly encourage you to, if you haven't already, go back into season three, episode 11, um, which is called Self-Perception and Fascia. In that episode, I dive deeper into the definition and um, physiology of fascia and how that then relates also to your self-perception and techniques and things you can do for yourself to help hydrate your tissue. So go look, listen to that if you haven't already, or, you know, mark it in the queue to listen to next. Um, And so what I'm going to start with today is just giving a brief um, overview of what fascia is, and then we're going to dive into how it relates to your emotional health and well-being, and why if you are someone who, you know, feels insecure in your body, who doesn't feel confident, who maybe feels really stressed, overwhelmed, a lot of anxiety, um, why you might want to tune in, why you might want to start to shift into thinking of how you can tend and care for your fascia. So your fascia is connective tissue. For years, it was ignored, um, meaning for years there was no research done on it because once you have a cadaver that has been put in formaldehyde to preserve the cadaver so it can be studied, you know, the fascia really just looks like connective tissue. It doesn't look like it does much. It's just kind of everywhere. And so it's been tossed aside. Research on the fascia has really just developed over the last 20, 25 years. So it's still in the world of science relatively new. We're just still beginning to understand the vastness to fascia. Part of why it was also not really studied is because we didn't have the tools to really study and understand fascia because to be able to begin to start understanding fascia and studying it, we need to see it through a living organism, a living human, because the fascia has very much different properties in in us today as listening as humans who are alive versus after we pass away and are no longer living. So the fascia, it surrounds and permeates every structure in your body. I like to think of it as our soft tissue skeleton. Um, So think about like a spider web-like matrix. And if you were to take away your skin, your bones, your muscles, taking away everything in your body except for your fascia, you would very much have a structure that resembles you, that looks like you. 
Um, but it'd be like the spider web, like kind of matrix, right? Everywhere from superficial, that skin level to deep. So the fascia is what gives muscles their shape. The fascia goes down to a single teeny tiny muscle fiber and surrounds it. The fascia is what also holds our organs in place. It even is um, around cells. So it acts as a supportive network that provides structural integrity um, in our body. It also helps to facilitate communication between different parts of our body. And so what I am proposing here and what some other experts in the field propose is that fascia may also play a role in storing and containing emotional stress. And in my eight years as a certified welfare, touching and working with hundreds and hundreds of bodies, I can say firsthand from more of a case study perspective, that is true, that the fascia contains and stores emotional stress and trauma even that we're not consciously aware of, actually often that we're not consciously aware of. And I also see this in my work with my coaching clients um, because my style is very much embodiment-based and we're working more from an interoceptive sense. Interoception is our internal sense, our internal of checking in of internally what sensations are present. Hunger is an example of an um, interoceptive response that we all experience. And deeper, like more skillful interoception is when we start to have the ability to drop into our body from an embodied perspective and connect into what sensation is present, right? In your heart, in your abdomen, in your arm. And I believe a lot of that felt sense is coming from the fascia. Some of the latest research is thinking, calling it our largest sensory organ. So you can think of, you know, thinking of that, you know, web-like structure, fascia is almost this like stress container, right? It has the potential to really contain and wrap around you and hold things in. It does hold things in. Some of those being, if you tend to or have, I mean, we all do have done this, um, suppressed emotion, repressed emotion. Um, when we've had trauma in our life, it's it's the, uh, typically our nervous system, which is very smart, it's not safe to be in our body. And so we kind of check out. Um, so those are all times though then that the fascia, which has both elastic and fibrous properties, we need both, um, but will likely in certain areas of our body, depending on where the trauma was or where and how we're holding ourselves and at emotionally in regards to trying to protect ourselves emotionally, which often might be caving in or caving in a certain, you know, maybe it's like your left shoulder starts to round forward to protect your heart or your sternum starts to collapse, right? You get a little shorter through your abdomen because you don't want to be open. That feels too vulnerable. It's, a, it's not available. And your fascia will begin to form more fibrous collagen matrix lay down in that new pattern. And so it's essential if we desire to feel confident and at ease in ourselves, in our body, to bring fascia health into the equation, to begin to understand our fascia and to begin to hydrate our tissue on a daily basis. And tissue hydration means so much more than just drinking water. Yet, yes, it's important that we stay hydrated through what we drink, but it's also, you know, receiving manual work. It's 
you know, laying on the floor, rolling around and stretching. It's laying on a tennis ball. You know, so many folks use lacrosse balls. I'm not a fan of lacrosse balls personally for this. It's they're they're too intense in my in my perspective. They don't allow the tissue to melt. Um, so we'll get into more of that later, but that's a general overview of, of fascia if you're unfamiliar, if this is new to you. Again, I go deeper into it in season three, episode 11, um, self-perception and fascia. So again, I really want to note that there's ongoing research in the field of fascia and it's connected to connection to emotional health. So it's important to note that that relationship between, you know, overwhelming emotions and fascia health is still being explored. In this episode, I am speaking from my own personal experience living in a human body, working with the fascia and the work I do for myself personally, knowing what I know about the fascia and how I work through emotions, as well as the last six, five plus years working as a coach working as a welfare in the specific field of embodiment with fascia being one of the most important components of the work I do with my clients um, and seeing the effect of as we allow the fascia to unwind, whether it be over the phone in a coaching session and I give them you know, suggestions, positions to be in, places to bring their breath, or whether it be a client laying on my rolfing table and I'm actively using my hands to help unwind and hydrate that tissue time and time again, unexpectedly, sometimes unexplained, being able to unexplain it, clients will have an emotional release um, where they just start crying. Sometimes there will be a story related. Often there's not. Sometimes it might be a suppressed memory that they totally forgot about, but they just spontaneously begin to cry. And it's a beautiful experience. And my, my, Intention is always just to guide clients into what the present sensation is within their body, allowing the tears to flow, not stopping them, but staying anchored into present sensation so that we're not re-triggering or re-traumatizing, reliving the story of what happened. Okay, (laughs) there's a lot here. So um, in understanding this, again, fascia emotion connection. Again, it's still evolving. And it's important to just name that individually, this will show up different for everyone. We have our own individual experience. And there are lots of common themes, common ways that this shows up. So that's what I'm going to speak to now, starting with specifically how emotions begin to be held in our bodies. And and what does that mean? So when we have overwhelming large emotions, such as, you know, it could be stress, anxiety, or trauma, that can impact our body on a physical level. It often, probably most often, affects our body on a physical level. So those large emotions are not only affecting us emotionally, but usually it's going to impact us physically. And you may have experienced, you know, think of a time when you've been under a lot of stress, whether it be work, whether it be um, a relationship, struggle, conflict, the conflict of our world, um, living in the United States, our political landscape, um, you know, myriad of things, you know, just take yourself to a time when you're in a lot of stress, um, financial stress. And, you know, this may manifest a little different 
only for you, but I imagine there is an overarching larger degree of contraction in your muscles, specifically in that like maybe superficial layers, meaning maybe not so deep, but maybe you tense up in your shoulders. Maybe your breath gets shortened. Uh, maybe you notice your neck wanting to grip and hold things together. Those are all examples of our body responding to how we are emotionally feeling in a way to armor and protect us so that we can move forward and do what we need to do, right? So we don't just fall apart. And what's happening from the fascia level is to create that tension, create that new holding pattern is more collagen matrix is laying down, more fibrosity is being created. So literally more tension is being generated into our system. So when we have large emotions that we are not ready, willing, or able to fully process or release, they will likely become trapped or held in the fascia, which this again results in tension, stiffness, and restricted movement in affected areas, right? So, so maybe you have an example of this that I think I shared, I, I maybe didn't, um, I know I've shared it with my email list, um, but of, to bring this to me personally and give you a tangible example, I have a recurring pain response that happens every now and then. It happened about a month ago. I hadn't experienced it in about three and a half years. And it's basically my low back, to be specific, the base of my sacrum. But if you don't know where that is, just generally low back. And when this pain response gets activated, it's super nervy, meaning it's really intense. It's really hard to like get out of bed in the morning because it's my low back is gripping. Um, when I'm walking and my heel strikes, there's generally like some nerve referral, some radiation down my legs. So it can feel pretty intense when it's activated. This is from years ago, um, an injury. Now when it happens, my body isn't actually injured. There's no actual injury. It's usually primarily activated because of an emotional stress. Specifically, when I am feeling financial scarcity or I'm feeling really stressed around money and I'm trying to like still hold it all together and manage it, my low back kind of seizes up in protection, trying to grip it, trying to hold things together. From a chakra standpoint, and in this season, I will have an episode dedicated to the chakras and relating that to everything we're talking about. If you're unfamiliar with the chakras, we, there's seven chakras. Your second chakra is your sacral chakra, right at the sacral plexus, which is a nerve branch, right where I feel that pain. And that chakra has to do with security, money. <laughs> and coincidental or not, that is when I'm feeling that insecurity around money, it, it in a large way, I get this pain response. And so it's like these emotions, this is how it manifests for me. And so of course I have restricted you know, movement, there's pain. Um, and I'll, I'll come back to this example later when I'm talking a little bit more specifically of how you can work through this and what you can do for yourself. So let's talk a little bit about the autonomic nervous system. So the autonomic nervous system, often um, the acronym is ANS, 
is responsible for regulating your body's responses to stress and emotions. So again, when we experience intense emotions, like I named before, the ANS can activate the body's stress response. So if you're in anxiety or stress, the ANS is going to activate, right? Likely more cortisol is going to be generated. Um, so it's going to lead to physiological changes, including increased muscle tension. So this tension completely impacts and affects the fascia. It can contribute to um, just making the overall health and condition of the fascia not so healthy, meaning it gets a little dehydrated or crunchy. So another area that is a little less intense than the pain response that I just got is I get these, I call them lovingly, <laughs> my rocks in the, in my upper back, like kind of between my shoulder blades. And if I am not tending to my fascia, to specifically upper back area, to um, helping to open up the chest, helping to hydrate that tissue. And if I'm maybe working a lot and having a really, you know, like full schedule, like working a lot and then a full social calendar on top of that, um, and desiring to, you know, produce a lot, I can tend to get really rigid. I can get really crunchy between my shoulders. And I have so many clients, it's so common, right? People are really kind of, you know, the crunchy shoulders or tightened shoulders. That's an example likely created or at least related to the autonomic nervous system um, having, you know, responding to a stress response, responding to a large emotion that you had. And then one of the end results is some muscle tension, some dehydrated fascia, some crunchiness. So chronic stress is also going to completely impact your fascia health. So if you're someone who, you know, you have a really high stress job, you just have prolonged exposure to stress and specifically you have prolonged exposure to stress and you're not doing anything to help support yourself in releasing and moving through that stress and processing and regulating, it can have a cumulative effect on the fascia. So the chronic stress can lead to the development of adhesions or restrictions within your fascial network, which can pot potentially, you know, cause pain, um, definitely decreased flexibility, and I also think compromised overall well-being. So when we start to get more restricted in areas, more condensed, it's going to affect our everyday movement. It's going to affect our everyday experience of our body, you know, how we walk, how we move, um, our posture, right? We might start to get more collapsed, more, you know, condensed in. And there's, you know, there's definitely various studies around linking our self-esteem, our confidence, how we perceive ourselves in relationship to our posture. So this is a lot. And I want to name... I'm not saying all this. I don't want to scare anybody, right? I'm not into these. I'm not trying to give a fear tactic, but I do want to educate and bring to light some of the ways of just especially modern living and on this world where it's seeming like we're getting more and more on screens and less connected in a person to person way and more just like screen time way which leads to more stressed, more just general sense of heightened arousal um, and not arousal in like a sexually turned on way, but arousal in like a 
stressed response way. Um, and it's important that we understand then how that manifests in our body, specifically in our fascia, and how that then can lead to not feeling good about ourselves, not feeling like we have the energy to move, not being kind in our thoughts, not being able to feel like we are resourced enough to make empower choices around food, around activity, around conversations, around how we express ourselves. And I really believe our fascia health is essential in being able to have overall well-being, longevity, and vitality in your body. So this concept that I'm, I'm bringing of, you know, um, the idea that we hold emotions in our body, so these, these emotional holding patterns that get created. So what I'm suggesting here is that unresolved or unprocessed emotions become stored in your body. And that leads to physical manifestations and tension. So to kind of expand on that further, you know, throughout our lives, we all experience a wide range of emotions. You know, these could include joy, sadness, anger, fear, and so much more. And sometimes due to various factors like societal conditioning, traumatic experiences, or just general lack of emotional awareness, we will tend to suppress or repress certain emotions instead of fully expressing and processing them. So it's this suppression that can cause emotions to become held or stored in the body. And the mind and body are deeply interconnected. Again, your emotions are not solely experienced in your mind, but they, of course, have physical components. So again, when we don't allow ourselves to fully feel and express emotions, and I want to name here, not only do we sometimes just not allow ourselves to, but there are times I don't like want to be, you know, you to take shame or guilt for being like, oh, man, I'm such a bad person or I'm so wrong for not allowing myself to feel emotions. No, like let's take responsibility for our well-being and understand that we're not always resourced enough, that there will be times in our lives when it wouldn't have been appropriate for us to feel fully the emotions we were feeling because of the intensity of it, because of the situation in which we were living, whether it be an abusive relationship, an unhealthful situation, right? Sometimes it's just so large and so intense that we can't feel it all at once and that's okay. And even in everyday life, right? Like these smaller emotions, if we're just numbing them, and I, I'm not trying to like create a hierarchy of emotions. I'm meaning smaller, meaning like not so charged, right? Not such a loud from one specific event, but even in one day, we're all going through a myriad of emotions that we're experiencing. And I believe as humans that if we really desire to be in our full potential, the more we can allow ourselves to feel and fully without judgment, whatever emotion is coming up, the more we allow ourselves to open up to the full spectrum of human emotion from joy to sadness, from anger to elation. And if we suppress, repress, judge certain emotions, we're also, because they're uncomfortable, they feel challenging, they feel confronting, we're also cutting and restricting ourselves from being able to feel some of those 
more high vibration emotions, right? We're limiting our scale. We're limiting our capacity of feeling. And instead, things are getting trapped and lodged in our tissue. And so the more that we don't allow ourselves to fully feel and express our emotions, the energy of those emotions can get trapped in your body, which can potentially lead to the formation of holding patterns. And that formation of these holding patterns, these postural ways of holding yourselves would be generated from the fascial network. So again, that the emotional holding patterns can manifest as areas of tension, stiffness, or tightness in your body. So an example, you know, somebody who habitually suppresses anger, right? So if you some, there's someone who they habitually have anger, they suppress it, they feel bad for having it, they feel wrong for having it, they don't know how to healthfully express the anger. So instead, they just suppress it instead of expressing. They maybe might notice chronic tension in their shoulders or in their jaw. And over time, the more that they're patterning the suppression of their anger, the more these holding patterns begin to get more ingrained and can begin to restrict the natural movement and flow of energy within the body, which will potentially lead to discomfort, to pain, and decreased range of motion. So our fascia is a ubiquitous, sometimes it's hard for me to say words, ubiquitous connective tissue. So ubiquitous is a word that helps to bring in the fact that our fascia is actually like almost mostly water. It's very, so that elastic part that I talked about earlier is it's water, interstitial fluid is what it's called. And so it can be influenced by emotional holding patterns. And so as the fascia surrounds and interconnects muscles and organs and other structures, which forms that continuous web throughout the body, when your emotions are not fully processed and dealt with, the fascia can respond by tightening or developing adhesion in specific areas, which will reflect the unresolved emotional experiences, right? It's just this way of if we're not going to let the energy out, the energy is stuck, right? It's it's almost like that, yeah, energy out, energy in. But if it's stuck in, the way it then will manifest, the fascia will take it on and hold it in. And so how do we release and heal this? We're going to go deeper into the releasing and healing. But to begin, releasing emotional holding patterns involves consciously reconnecting with the stored emotions and allowing them to be felt and expressed in a safe and supportive manner. That's essential. The safety part and the supportive part have to be present. And so some ways of doing that, you know, some mind-body practices could be breath work, movement, meditation, body-based therapy, and somatic approaches. So for example, the way I work with my coaching clients is very much a somatic approach of guiding them into their body, into the felt sense, into the sensation and we stay with that in a way that feels safe. Safe doesn't, it's still likely deeply uncomfortable, but they're held. I'm holding them so that then the emotion can move through and be processed and be released. Are you ready to love and embrace your body fully? As a listener of the Radical Embodiment Podcast, I know you desire to feel confident, 
safe, and deeply connected to your sensual and embodied self. That's why I want to share with you a free transformative practice called Stop the Body Hate. In this practice, you'll learn how to be gentle, curious, and compassionate with yourself, cultivating a loving and understanding relationship with your body. You'll bring back the power within you and let go of the need to fix any discomfort through external needs. You will learn how to halt the vicious thoughts that keep you stuck and be guided into a state of ease and presence. To receive this powerful practice, simply go to my website, radicalembodiment.com and click on the top of the homepage where it says free gift. From there, you'll be directed to a page where you can sign up. And when you sign up from that page, you will receive a guided audio practice and a detailed step-by-step PDF. It's time to change the narrative and catch unhealthy thought patterns and make empowered choices about how you view and feel within your body. Don't miss out on this opportunity to begin transforming your relationship with your body. Again, visit my website, radicalembodiment.com and click on the top of the page where it says free gift and sign up with your name and email and you'll receive the free Stop the Body Hate practice directly to your inbox. Let's embark on this journey of self-love and radical embodiment together. Now, back to today's episode. Okay, so it's important to name that you know, if you are desiring to explore, you know, your own emotional holding patterns, um, to do so through the lens of gentleness, self-compassion, and if needed, if there's a lot of intensity there or inability, even sometimes that intensity could show up as numbness, not being able to feel anything. That That's pretty common when I first work with coaching clients is, you know, when they try to connect in to their body or connect into sensation, they don't feel anything. They feel nothing. And so that's another way our body or nervous system has coped. It's a strategy. And so there are times when it's really important to also make sure you have the guidance of a trained professional. Um, so be a therapist, body worker, or you know, somatic practitioner. But when you can acknowledge and release stored emotions that are living in your tissue, that are in your fascia, it can allow you to experience greater emotional well-being. It can help to restore, to facilitate the restoration of natural movement and flow within your body and support an even deeper sense of embodiment. What I see happening, especially as we work with the fascia and from a very physical place of helping to rehydrate the fascia with an awareness of what emotions might be stored in there, that it literally helps create more space in our physical body because we're not so tight and condensed, which allows and invites a greater capacity to be with uncomfortable emotions, to allow the emotions to flow through when we're not so rigid and sticky and kinked up in our fascia. We have a greater ability to allow the emotion to move through without getting so quickly to be stuck and stored. And so, as I mentioned before, there's ongoing research in this field 
And so the, you know, direct scientific evidence that's specifically linking fascia and emotions is still relatively limited. However, there's a few studies that, and observations that suggest the potential connection between fascia and emotional well-being. And so I just wanted to name a couple, a few, three of them, um, just to give a little more context, right? So it's not just like my word that you're taking from this. So um, in regards to fascia and pain perception, there's research that was published in the Journal of Bodywork and Movement Therapies in 2011, found that emotional stressors can contribute to increased pain perception and altered fascial dynamics in individuals with chronic pain conditions. So this suggests a potential relationship between emotions, fascial function, and pain sensitivity. Another study was looking at more the mind-body practices and fascial changes. So this study was published in the Journal of Bodywork and Movement Therapies in 2018, and it investigated the effects of different mind-body practices on fascial tissue. So the results of that study indicated that practices such as yoga, Tai Chi, and mindfulness meditation may positively influence fascial qualities, potentially impacting emotional well-being. And then looking at somatic experiencing and fascial releasing. Um, so somatic experiencing is a therapeutic approach focused on resolving trauma and stress held in the body. It's its own system, its own training. Um, I want to be clear, I'm not trained in somatic experiencing. It was started by Peter Levine. Um, my work, though, is, I don't want to say it's, it's not the same by any means, but it's similar in the line of thought of how I work with coaching clients. Um, and so there isn't specific research here that's connecting somatic experiencing to fascia. But like I shared for myself, but um, it's often noted from various practitioners and clients that have reported experiencing actual fascial release and improvement in their overall emotional well-being during these sessions. Um, and so these anecdotal reports suggest this link between fascial tension and emotional holding patterns, meaning the more that we are supported to be, the more that we are supported to not only be with and acknowledge these emotions, but to feel them where they are and how to stay with the sensation so that then they may be released, whether it be through the tears, whether it be through the breath, whether it be through shaking, it then also allows the fascia to become rehydrated, to let go, to release. So we can like, it's like, if we can take this exhale, we can breathe again. Maybe our posture subtly, you know, improves. Maybe all of a sudden we don't feel so tight in our low back or in our shoulder or in our jaw. So again, this fascia emotional connection still emerging. Um, but I think that I have at least seen enough evidence that I wanted to dive into it in this podcast and, and share on it because I feel pretty passionately about bringing about more education, more conversation around this connection. So as promised, I shared that I would share some practices, some tips, some suggestions of you know, okay, now I've given you all this information. What do you do with it? What are some things that you can try out for yourself to help support your own fascial health, to help support you in your own emotional processing? 
So there's a variety of mind-body practices you could do. So it could be just some mindfulness work, some breath work, meditation, movement patterns, or excuse me, movement therapies. Those have all been shown to positively influence both your emotional well-being and your fascial health. Um, so, but what I want to give to you is a couple specifics. So one would be a breath work practice. And so we're going to do it here. So if you're driving and listening, you know, don't do this fully. Um, but come back to it later for sure. So I would like you to do this at a time when you can be sitting, when you can be not disturbed, when you're in a safe place, meaning you're not driving, you're not trying to get somewhere. Um, right. So you can breathe with me if you're moving along, but just breathe normal <laughs> um, or pause this and come back to it later. But breath work, the idea of breath work is we're just specifically trying to breathe in a certain way to elicit a certain response. Breath work is a phenomenal tool. Our breath is free. And there's so many ways to breathe. There's so many ways to breathe. There is no right way to breathe. And so what I'm going to take you through right now is how uh, one way to breathe with the interest of helping to bring us into a more embodied, aware state of being and in a relaxed state, a state that would allow us to be able to be more present with what we're feeling inside, a state that will help to bring us out of uh, more of a stressed, aroused, alert state and help bring about a little bit of relaxation and ease which is essential if we are going to be going into feeling these emotions to release some emotions. So we're going to help bring on board, bring on the, the parasympathetic nervous system a little bit more. So the simplest way, if you are working with your breath and you're desiring to relax yourself, if you're desiring to downregulate your nervous system, the simplest place to start would be to lengthen your exhale meaning one way that could look is say you inhale for four counts, exhale for six counts. So you're just making your exhale a little longer than the inhale. The way we are going to work with it right now is, is, is doing that, but expanding on it, of, I want your really to be in a full diaphragmatic breath, meaning when you inhale, your belly's expanding out, your rib cage is expanding in all directions. And when you exhale, your, your belly button, your navel is kind of coming back into spine. So we're going to do that for, I don't know, I think just like 30 seconds. Um, we'll do it for 45 seconds. So I'm going to start a timer and I'm going to give you steps before we start. I'll let you know when I start. But first I want you just to feel into, just notice how you feel. Notice where your awareness is. I would invite you to sit down for this 45 second practice. Have your feet on the earth if you can. And if it's available to you, you're gonna inhale and exhale through your nose. If that isn't available to you right now, it doesn't matter. You know, you can use your mouth for the inhale or exhale. We are going to inhale for a count of four and we're gonna exhale for a count of six. And we're not gonna hold the breath on either end, we're just gonna allow a continuous breath. 
thinking of allowing belly to expand on the inhale, thinking of bellies coming in on exhale. Okay, so I'm going to start our 45 seconds starting now. So I'm inhaling for four, exhaling for six. Okay, and you can let that go. So that was just over 45 seconds. And so just take a moment, notice. How do you feel now? Has anything shifted? Is it the same? It was pretty, pretty short, um, but I just wanted to give you a taste. So for me, it's like, oh, I would have liked to have gone a little longer because um, I would have gained more benefit. But I feel a little more centered in myself, a little, um, yeah, I'm definitely more grounded. I can see I've dropped down a little lower in my body. And so breathwork is a phenomenal tool that we can use to help downregulate us or also upregulate. So if you're having a time where you're feeling really sad, you're feeling kind of despondent or depressed, or you're just feeling really lethargic, not a lot of energy. Those are times you can use your breath. You can work with um, having a longer inhale and a shorter exhale. You could also do like a, there's a, in yoga, a breath called Kabbalah Bhati breathing. It's fire breath. It's a, so the emphasis is really on the exhale. If you're pregnant or a woman who's menstruating, it's not a breath to do right in those times. But that can be a really activating breath. So also, if you struggle with anxiety, it's likely not a breath pattern for you to do. Um, but I just wanted to give a little example. of there's, there's a huge way of working with breath. But especially those times when we are wanting to go more internal into sensation, to track into our body like, wow, my shoulders right now are you know, really tight. I can tell I, I feel like I'm holding on to stress here. Okay, I think I'd like to, you know, I'm giving you an example, but me in real time, like lay on a foam roller, do some gentle rolling, maybe have like a, um, do a heart opener, um, restorative yoga posture on my yoga blocks. And I'd like to bring my breath into it as well. So I could work with the breath count that we just did. Or you can, of course, you know, change the numbers, the inhale longer, exhale even longer than what we did. Um while you're actively in some sort of restorative heart opener pose or laying on the ground with your knee bent, knees bent in a couple tennis balls along your spine. So you're getting a nice tissue hydration. You're also breathing simultaneously. And those can be beautiful times to, one, just breathe or work with a mantra, work with an affirmation, um, maybe just reminding yourself that you are okay, you're safe. All of those are huge in helping to downregulate the nervous system and helping to 
allow your body, your state of being to feel a little bit safer, to feel what is there, to feel what has been suppressed and pushed down so that it may be processed and moved through you and that it no longer needs to be stored and stuck and lodged in your fascia. So other examples, um, I don't think I'll take you through just for time, like any other, other practices right now, but could be a body scan meditation. Um, so body scan is just where you know, you, you can do it on yourself or you could listen to a guided one. I have so many guided meditations that are free. So um, you can go to radicalembodiment.com, my website, click on the free gift, sign up with your name and email, and you'll get this practice called Stop the Body Hate. But that practice, it's like a close to 30-minute audio guided meditation where it really is a body scam. I'm, I'm taking you into your body to help slow down the anxious thought loops, the negative thought loops. Um, so that's a free resource <clears throat> if you're desiring that. But you can do your own body scan of just closing your eyes and checking in with your head. You can go like through body part, through body part of your body, your neck, <clears throat> excuse me, your chest, your arms, your shoulders, just seeing how does this feel? How does this feel? And it's amazing the benefits of body scan, of, of body scanning because it really, again, helps bring you a little bit more into your body, less into trying to analyze or figure something out from your mind, which can, again, create more stress and help you really connect with where your emotions are stored in your tissue to help release some of that tension. Movement practice is another one that's huge. You know, gentle stretching, yoga, dancing, um, all of these can be beautiful ways of releasing emotional tension that's stored in your fascia. It could be a guided choreograph class. It could be just following your own organic movement. I'm a huge fan of literally rolling on the floor because I think that when we're on the floor, we, it helps our body just feel a little safer. We're on the ground. We can think of the floor as apparatus. It can hold and support us. And then we can just move our body on, on the floor, allowing ourselves to yield into that support below as we're unwinding some keeks, as we're doing stretches and movements that feel good to help allow some emotions to be released. Journaling is another one. Journaling is huge. It's, it just has so many therapeutic benefits um, in regards to if you're wanting to have more emotional exploration. There's something about, you know, literally putting pen to paper. So not just typing it out, but pen to paper that, um, I'm always often amazed at like the truths that can come out when I'm journaling um, or insights that I hadn't put together. So times when I find myself with, you know, a day or a couple day period where I have this like habitual thought or thinking that just keeps sneaking its way up. Those are moments I'm like, okay, maybe I should set a 10 minute timer and just like journal on this and like what's really going on. So it's just a great time. It helps to slow down, bring you into the present and process through what it is you're feeling, process through what is you're thinking through writing. So again, these are all like the breath work, the body scan meditation, movement practices, journaling are all active ways to help engage yourself, to help actually create and carve out the opportunities to acknowledge what it is you're feeling so that it might be processed so that it might be felt 
instead of just pushing it down, down, down. And again, this isn't easy work. This is courageous work. Embodiment, I believe, is a consistent, continuous, conscious, courageous choice that we continually choose to make. And it is courageous. So it's so important that you are gentle with yourself in this process. Be compassionate with yourself and your approach when, you know, as you're working with your emotions and your fascia. So I encourage you to try out some of these techniques that I suggested. I encourage you to start to bring to mind more your own tissue fascia health. And if questions came up for this episode, please let me know. Write me. You can email me at emily at radicalembodiment.com. I'll be doing some Q&A for the very last episode, uh, episode 12 of this season. So would love to have your questions so that I can speak directly to them. Um, If anything isn't clear, what you want to know deeper on, um, but know that we're going to continue to dive deeper into the world of fascia, into the world of emotions, into bringing together, you know, this, this, the, the synergy between our physical, energetic, and emotional body through this entire season. So more resource, more information is coming your way. Um, I look forward to hearing from you of how you incorporate some of this new information. And thank you. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in. Um, Thank you for listening. Thank you for trying out some of these own suggestions. Um, You know, maybe you start with, okay, every morning for five minutes, you do the breathwork practice. Um, Start simple. Start simple. Start small. Make it manageable. That is the way you're going to be able to be consistent and make it a habit versus like, okay, I'm going to do this hour-long practice every day. Um, The likelihood, if it's something completely new, that you will be able to maintain it isn't as great as if it were starting five minutes, starting with smaller increments and building time over time. All right. I hope this was helpful. Um, and I hope it helps you in being able to utilize your connection with your physical body and noticing, utilizing even just the noticing of the tension, the holding, the discomfort that you have in your physical body as a cue, as a sign that hmm, maybe it would be supportive to try out one of the suggestions I gave to maybe there's some emotions that are stuck here to gift yourself the time to tend to your fascia. Tending to your fascia will allow you to increase your emotional well-being. It would allow you to feel more confident in your body. All right, until next episode, take care. Thank you for joining me on this journey of radical embodiment. Remember, true change begins within. By embracing our bodies, we can empower ourselves and inspire others to do the same. As we wrap up this episode, I invite you to take a moment and leave a review for Radical Embodiment Podcast on Apple Podcast. Your feedback and support are invaluable in spreading our message of self-acceptance and body positivity to a wider audience. Simply take a screenshot of your review and share it on your Instagram stories or post, tagging our Instagram account at radical underscore embodiment underscore. By sharing your thoughts and experiences, 
you not only contribute to the growth of our community, but also to stand a chance to win a signed copy of my book, Radical Embodiment, A Practical Guide to Celebrate the Skin You're In. Each month, I will be selecting three lucky listeners to receive a signed copy of my book. Season four, this season, is going to be 12 episodes long as each of my seasons of the podcast have been thus far. So each episode of season four is going to be live every Thursday. So over the course of the next 12 weeks, you can expect a new episode to drop on Thursday. The last episode of season four will drop Thursday, August 14th. So be sure to subscribe to the podcast to not miss any of the episodes. Remember, your voice matters and together, we can create a world where everyone feels seen, accepted, and celebrated in their bodies. Thank you once again for being part of the Radical Embodiment Podcast. Until next time, stay courageous, stay intentional, and stay radically embodied.